Message from Starfleet Command, top priority. You are listening to the Trek Ranks Podcast, a member of the Tricorder Transmissions Podcast Network. This is episode 160, featuring the top five best hot mess. Welcome, Star Trek fans. I am Jim Morehouse. I'm the host of the Trek Rants Podcast, and tonight we are getting messy. It's time to relay our top five best hot mess, which could mean anything on this messy episode of Trek Ranks. And to make it even more messy, we're doing this one live and in person, face-to-face with our two excellent guests from the Trek Ranks Podcast, HQ. We did a live recording once before with our two guests tonight, way back on episode 65, our top five villains who weren't really villains. And that was quite a lively topic. I still think about that episode. So we're expecting some more of that tonight. So first up, returning for his eighth overall Trek ranked appearance, it's Mr. Adam Uno. Welcome back, Adam. Thank you very much. Always great to be back. Oh, love having you back. And back for his sixth Trek ranked topic, Mr. Josh Zeller. How's it going, everyone? Good to be here. This will be your third live show, because you did the, yeah. uh, the last Vegas live one, too. Okay. Yeah. This is going to be a great show. Let's get started with our quick Trek Race recalibration. What are you recalibrating? Everything. Um, it's it's a sweeping, uh, a recalibration of all systems. Okay, the Trek Race Charter has two clauses. One, we rank Trek so we can have a fun conversation about Star Trek. And two, the ranks don't matter. We just use them as the framework to have a deep dive conversation about all the things we love about Trek. Because, as Mr. Spock himself has said, our show is all about... Infinite diversity in infinite combinations, symbolizing the elements that create truth and beauty. There are no wrong answers at Trek Ranks. This show is about sharing the things we love about Trek, and we love it all. From TOS to TNG, straight through to Enterprise, and the Kelvin Timeline, now Discovery, Picard, Strange New World, Short Treks, Lower Decks, and Prodigy as well. It's all fair game here on the Trek Ranks Podcast. Black Alert. Black alert. And a reminder that this episode of Trek Ranks is current through the Star Trek Picard complete third season and the last generation. That's 883 episodes of Star Trek across the past 56 years. And one final reminder, we use episodes as a shorthand, but the 13 films are always in play as well. Hailing frequencies open. Thank you, Mr. Worf. You can hail me directly on Twitter at Trek Ranks or at Enterprise Extra. You can see our extensive rankings of all the treks at trekranks.com and don't forget to call and leave us a message with your own picks at 609-512-LLAP that's 609-512-5527 okay to wrap it up Adam and Josh how can everyone get a hold of you on subspace Adam uh, I am not on Twitter anymore I used to be that's right oh, but it's left us but God. I am uh, on Mastodon where I am strange new words at uh, tenforward.social. So it's strange new words with a with a uh, underscore between the, the Okay, words. fantastic. Trek Ranks is on Mastodon because Adam guilt me into yeah, it, but I, I but I don't really do anything over there. Josh. Uh, I am not on Mastodon. I feel very uh, left out right now. <laughs> uh, but uh, you can find me on Twitter uh, at Madcap of Science. Yes, I love it. I'm waiting for my Blue Sky invite because it sounds like Blue Sky might be one that I uh, I dip my toe in a little bit more on. So we'll see. 
And I think we can skip our diagnostic cycle this week. We're going to jump straight into our prime directives and figure out how everyone defines the best hot mess. Do they know about prime directive? They know everything I know, sir. And you're about to know everything we know about our prime directive. So before we start, just a quick snapshot of what we are generally thinking about for a hot mess so as a starting point, this is not like a redux of guilty pleasure episodes. We've done that enough on Trek Ranks. This is more about characters or scenes or inanimate objects. Like it could be an episode too. You can do what you want. But it's whatever's kind of you're defining as a hot mess and kind of how they're put together, how organized they are, maybe how neurotic or disheveled. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. But since this is best hot mess, the thinking is that somehow these particular hot messes Maybe they still get the job done since it's the best hot mess? I don't know. That's definitely part of my prime directive. So so we'll see uh, how everybody kind of figures it out here. Adam, let's hear from you. What is your definition of what I just said, which made no sense at all, of a hot mess, which is perfect? That was a huge hot mess, yeah. <laughs> um, no, um, my, my definition, when I heard the topic, I immediately thought of, like, He's a hot mess or she's a hot mess. It's a person. Got it. Like, I know it can be a situation, but for me, I decided I was going to pick people for hot messes. And then as I started to, like, think about possible hot messes, I realized that there was a delineation between people who are a hot mess and people who are a piece of work. Mm. Like, a piece of work kind of, like, decides to embrace the fact that they're a hot mess, whereas a hot mess just kind of is a hot mess and is trying to maybe trying to uh, lift themselves above it. So Okay, interesting. I wonder how my I would my list might be more piece of work. I, I like that. So there's a character that I was thinking of including, who I came very close to including, um, and I don't want to say who it is. Tell us at the end. But, but in the end, you're like, yeah. that's a piece of but work. But I was like, that person is a piece of work. <laughs> Got it. So. I love it. Okay, Josh, how about you? Um, I uh, also uh, chose to interpret this more in the person kind of character uh, categories. Um, I ultimately, um, after a lot of thought, went to the Urban Dictionary online to define hot mess. Hot mess is someone who's trying to be at their sexiest while they're also committing them just deepest embarrassing things and losses of decorum at the same time. Oh, man. So that's where you get your image of the college girl who's dressed to the nines going out clubbing, but she's so blackout drunk that it's just embarrassing yep. to everybody involved. So, or college dude. Or college dude. <laughs> Actually, uh, I believe yeah. I went all male for my hot. Oh, interesting. Hot okay. Well, Which is good because it is kind spoilers. of like a gender. Yeah. It could be. It so could be. Think about that and, and, and keep it, uh, you know, kind of coming from a, and I, and I also think a component is that at least we in the audience find the situation we're observing to be humorous. Okay. Humorous. Yeah. I didn't, I don't, I didn't put humor is not part of mine. Wait, what was it say about the sexual part though? Like in trying to be yeah. So basically, this is sort of a, a, the, the a not exactly, but like somebody it. who is at their sexiest, at trying their sexiest. to be at their sexiest. Okay, the biggest okay. sex appeal. Interesting. While also having a complete loss of decorum. Okay, I'm going to say that had nothing to do with my list. However, there is one character on my list that 100 percent fits that. Yeah. So I took gender into account too. I think yeah. my list is pretty split. I, I have well, we'll see you in the stats. Yeah. 
But it sounds like we all did characters, because I ended up focusing just on characters and not events or episodes. I'll definitely have some of those in my secondary systems. Else. So the one thing I really ended up focusing on was making sure that I wasn't punching down on whoever I chose as my best hot mess. So in the end, I wanted to make sure that, you know, even though we're going to go in on them a little bit as a hot mess, that doesn't mean they're incapable. And in the end, maybe somehow that they, they use their hot mess successfully so they get the job done at some level. So I think in the end, my list of five characters is a celebration of their hot mess means as opposed to that lead to a, the successful ends. So that's kind of where I'm at. I'm worried yeah. that we're going to have five duplicates. <laughs> okay. so the, yeah. No, no, no. We're, no way. we're going to have some duplicates, maybe, but I don't think we're going to have that many. Yeah. Okay. okay. Let's, what? Oh, I guess I also just wanted to sort of chime in that, yes, I think it's important to uh, consider it, you know, to have that sense of humor to play right. at it, that we're not punching down with the characters yeah. or laughing at the lowest point the character might be in, but it's kind of from a sense of fun and audience may find it amusing, or other characters may find yeah. it amusing. As I'm scanning my list now, I see that some of these you could actually say are not necessarily character. They're more a character in a situation, situation that's more of a hot mess. So yeah. there, I do have a couple of those. Anyway, all right. This is going to be awesome. Let's do it. Third Romoticlon, introduce us to the Order. I am a Jem'Hadar. He is a Vorta. It is the Order of Things. Thank you, Third Emoticon. As always, everyone will start with their five-word summary and a hashtag to tease their pick, then we'll each reveal our choices for our lists of best hot messes and the reasons we're highlighting them. And, of course, we're going to pick an episode to associate with that pick. After getting through five rounds of picks, we'll then get a few secondary system selections from everyone. And remember, if we have any duplicate picks, make sure you listen for the Defiant Torpedoes. Okay, Adam, we're starting with you. What? is your number five hot mess. Okay, so my number five pick, my ten word, or, sorry, my five, ten words. My five no, words. No. <laughs> my five words. Hot mess! I started reading. Okay. <laughs> my five words are, ten years. Is that soon? Hashtag is a lucky man. It is Captain Christopher Pike from the episode Strange New Worlds, the first episode of, of Strange New Worlds. Okay. So in this episode, uh, uh, Captain Pike has uh, previously on Discovery, he has touched the time crystal. He's seen his his future in TOS and he's sort of withdrawn. He's living in like a cabin in in the middle of nowhere in Montana. He's grown the crazy Unabomber beard and like Captain Battelle and Admiral April are looking at him like, holy crap, man, what's wrong with you? Which he cannot tell them. Uh, and uh, over the course of the episode, and to a certain extent over the course of the season, we see him kind of come to terms with his future. And we see like Spock telling him to find the good in knowing. We see Laan telling him that, uh, you know, it's good to believe that you're going to die because that kind of keeps you alive longer. And, you know, we finally see at the end of that episode, Pike coming to this place where he's saying, you know, until our last moment, the future is what we make it. And like finding the, the positive aspect as he sort of uh, channels the day the Earth stood still, uh, yes. you know, for, for this alien civilization that's on the verge of destroying itself. 
Oh, man. It took me the longest time to figure out what this pick was because I was thinking about the end of the episode and kind of all of his actions. and They're great. I'm thinking, where's the hot mess? But it's of course. The, it's the beard. The beard itself yeah. is the hot mess. And plus, like, he's in a, the, you're, you're in a hot mess if you're thinking about your your imminent demise mm-hmm. and what that what that means. And that in your five words now, it took me, again, halfway through, I'm like, oh. Is ten years a long time? That's very poignant and sad, actually. This is a sad hot mess. Yeah. So, so ten years, <laughs> ten years is that soon? I believe is from the second episode. Yeah. It's, but uh, yeah, beautiful. Uh, Josh, what's your take? Great. Yeah, Pike is a hundred percent a hot mess in this episode. Um, he uh, uh, in a different episode it is one of my uh, secondary systems, but uh, uh, yeah, good stuff. He totally, totally is a hot mess in that. In that, especially the, the yeah, crazy person beard. Uh, stayed in the cabin forever, just letting the community. And even when he's, when he's talking to April, and he's like holding on to the horse, and he yeah. just mm-hmm. can't commit. Oh, it's so good. All right, that's a wow, somber beginning to the hot messes. I like it. Josh, how about you? What's your number five pick? All right, number five. Five words. Masaka is my master now. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, hashtag space Aztecs. It's data in masks. Specifically, oh when he is um, falling all over himself in fear of Masaka, when he is uh, the first character, Inuwats. He's just such a hot master that episode. I don't think we're going to have a single duplicate because both of these are awesome picks. I never, none of them crossed my mind. <laughs> mass. How did I not think of Mass as a hot mess episode? The whole episode and is a hot but mess. But Data is a hot mess in this. The episode. hottest mess possible that he could be. Masaka uh, is waking. Oh, oh, it's so good. Questionable <laughs> choices from the actors and just a lot of just craziness. That episode is just a hot mess from beginning to end. I'm, I'm speechless. That is the perfect pick. Masaka is waking. Yeah, I didn't think of this either, but this is a fantastic pick. Um, this was an episode that I saw it in in 1994, I guess, and I hated this episode. Yeah. I didn't rewatch it for years. I just rewatched it not too long ago, and I turned around on it 180. It's just like campy fun. I really enjoyed watching it. I really enjoyed the performances from the performances from Brent Spiner, but uh, you know, it's just a it's like it's like on a threshold level of. Um, of just being a crazy, crazy episode, and I, I will. It. I'm a threshold apologist, and I will defend that episode <laughs> to the end of time. Oh my god! Uh, <laughs> in space, but they're in the same category. Yeah, I'm For the sure. same way. Now you watch Mass with the, that kind of campy lens, and it's uh, it's a joy. And like camp isn't usually what you think of from the next generation, but they could right. camp it up from yeah. time to time. Well, they did it there for sure. Okay, let's go to my round five pick. I feel like this is an underrated episode everywhere except Trek Ranks, where it has been picked like ten times before. So only twice by me. So this will be my third time. But I'm picking it again. It was just in our Scenes in Water show like two episodes ago, but I had to pick it. It is five words and a hashtag. That's one messy Graviton stabler hashtag. You have to have faith, Chief. And it is Nog traversing the Great River in Treachery Faith in the Great River. It's just a hot mess the way he navigates the material. This is not a, this is less about the character, right? But but he also is kind of a hot mess. If you're Chief O'Brien, 
this is a complete hot mess situation that he's been thrown into. And he's, I mean, he's trading Martok's case of blood wine and the captain's desk, the induction modulator for a phaser emitter to get a graviton stabler. That's a rumor from a very reliable source, <laughs> which is, you have to have faith, Chief. I, uh, I mean, Nog is the best, and this episode is one of his pinnacles for sure. But uh, but I love it. And you get a little bonus hot mess. I thought of this, too, because every time they cut to O'Brien, he's, like, working on something, and the station's falling apart, and he's stressing out, and he is completely unnerved by it, or Martok yelling at his face. It's just one big hot mess situation. And, yeah, I guess really this is more about the situation than the character. But it's still a little bit Nog kind of creating this hot mess and being a hot mess. Uh, Adam, what's your take? The river will provide. The river <laughs> will survive. Of course it will. Um, I, I love this episode. This is like a B story that completely stole the show of the episode. And uh, I, I just love the line where O'Brien says, don't do anything I won't do. Yeah. <laughs> and Nog says, I can't work under those kinds of constraints. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolute best. Yeah. I can get you that stabilizer, Chief. In three days? Leave everything to me. All right. But don't do anything I wouldn't do. Chief, I can't operate under those kinds of restrictions. At least promise me you won't do anything to get us court-martialed. I'll try. Nog! Just kidding, Chief. <laughs> another, another thing about this episode that was just pointed out to me, I don't know if this is true or not, but I don't know if um, stealing the captain's desk in particular is a reference to a MASH episode where they trade away Henry Blake's desk uh, for a case of, of medication. Oh, well, I know the episode totally is... The episode. The, yeah. the, the episode's definitely a MASH homage because there's a Radar episode where he's doing kind of the same well, thing. There's a number of MASH episodes. But I, don't, it, but I don't remember that trading Henry Blake's desk. Yeah, so they I do. And they they like take the back wall off Henry Blake's office oh to like get the... I remember it now. I, I wonder if that was in that same episode where Radar was trading around trying to get stuff. I think stuff. so, yeah. Oh, brilliant. So. so good. It, yeah, yeah, it's a great episode. It's such a great episode. I, I love that storyline. Uh, it's, um, yeah, a lot of fun. It, it, the convolutedness, and then, you know, yeah. It, it also kind of reminds me of the episode with the, uh, the baseball card. Uh, in, the cards. Wants to get in the cards. Yeah. Um, and the convoluted links to make the scientist happy. And, you know, yeah, it's always just a fun um, uh, kind of storyline. Yeah, for sure. Okay, let's go to round four. Adam, what do you got? Okay, so my uh, my five words are... You... Hey, Captain Archer. Thanks for joining the show. Go ahead, Adam. <laughs> my five words are, you never give up hope. Uh, hashtag is La Vie en Purple, and it is Dal Rel. Um... So the episode I'm picking is Masquerade. Oh, okay. um, oh my god. I love this character. I think I know some people who were watching the show and kind of gave up on him a little bit early before his character arc really got the chance to love him. make its full arc. But he's got this fantastic and very messy combination of just like this boundless confidence and optimism mm -hmm. where mm -hmm. he's just going to keep, he just believes everything's going to work out. And then also this, like, very internalized feeling of rejection. Um, 
you know, he is like, he literally embodies being the unwanted. He is, he didn't know his parents. The only, he doesn't even know his species. The only parental figure that he ever had was sort of like this, like Fagin and artful Dodger relationship that he had. And then she sold him into slavery. Yeah. Um, and yet he, he constantly is believing things are going to, to work out. So the episode I picked was Masquerade, which is episode 15. And it's the one where he basically learns that he is a failed medical experiment. And then in order to try to like make himself feel better or to, to prove that he is worth something to the crew, he like engages in these illegal medical experiments on himself. And he turns into like a bunch of different species at once, which is a huge, huge mess. I like this pick because I, I, that episode, it's, it's one, it's not one of my favorites of Prodigy because it's kind of, it's hard, it's a little bit hard to watch him changing and going mm-hmm. through all that because it's, it's a hot mess. Absolutely. And the character, I mean, Dow, I love Dow. I love his arc. He's my, my number one thing when we did our Prodigy recap. He was my number one character. But he's kind of a hot mess trying to figure it out as he goes. And this, episode accentuates that across the board with his with his heritage and the DNA and the switching and uh, yeah it's uh I'm sure that's, that that's kind of episode where I think kids are like loving all the different changes and I'm like sitting there going oh, this is kind of disturbing I feel bad for this guy yeah I felt bad for him too and I'm actually starting to realize I think a lot of my picks are kind of downers but, uh, <laughs> I, just, I forgot yeah that's two for two I, I was watching a number of episodes with him in them, and like on a little bit of a lighter note, one of them I really enjoyed is Kobayashi, the one where he's taking the Kobayashi test. My favorite prodigy um, Like, when he was stuck on, on Tars Lamora in the prison colony, he just kept trying to escape over and over again. Oh my god. And it was a no-win scenario, because he can't escape. And then when he takes the Kobayashi Maru test, which is supposed to tell how you're going to react to a no-win scenario, he does the same thing. He just yeah. takes it over and over again, so trying good. to trying to win it. So he's just doing exactly the same thing. You can embrace the chaos. I love it. Dowrell. Masquerade. Great choice. Great choice. Um, yeah, I, th- I think there's that moment where he's got like three different alien uh, uh, attributes. Yeah. And, and, and just kind of freaking out. They need to take care of him. And, you know, he's such a great character because yeah, you go through several episodes uh, getting frustrated uh, with him, but the thing prodigy is so good at is just laying breadcrumbs and then later having them pay off and arc and all those, those kinds of things. And if you just have faith in the show, they will get there. And by the end of the season, uh, he really does grow into the command type uh, role beautifully. Uh, So all these little steps really helped us get there and uh, and believe it when it when it happened. Yeah, that's yeah. great. I, I'm thinking back now to our Prodigy show because Chris Chaplin picked Masquerade as his number one episode. Mm. And I remember being like, I was remember being shocked by that because yeah. it's uh, it's such a it, for the same all the reasons you said it's fascinating. Yeah. It's a tough one. It, but it, it kind of it's yeah. tough because it's, it was hard for me. To I also want to add that it's like the failed part of the science experiment. It's all in Dow's perspective. We actually don't know if he was a successful experiment, right? Oh, that's right. Or not? Yeah, it's it's right. all his perspective. He's yeah. just told that he's an augment of some sort, and that the doctor can increase that aspect of him. But she never says that he's a failed science experiment. He's it's it's entirely his 
part of his being a hot mess is interpreting it as a negative. I, I think but, she has a line where she says that it's like kind of shoddy work that was done on him. Um, but okay. but but and I, I do like at the end Janeway's loophole for getting him into Starfleet is that like he is genetically he's modified, but yeah. he's not really augmented because he's not better than <laughs> than like a regular person. You body Starfleet, I love it. Okay. Josh, what's your number four hot mess? Number four. Five words. At least we have Okana. <laughs> Hashtag. No. Still got it. It's Prodigy. Season one. Episode 15. Masquerade. My pick. Are it's you kidding the me? The outrageous Okana. The return of Okana. He is a total hot mess. Oh, he comes in. So good. He's such a hot mess. He's taken over their ship. He's lounging in the captain's chair very inappropriately. He's hitting on everyone in very inappropriate ways. He's a total hot mess. He just runs to get out of there as soon as uh, there's even the least amount of trouble. Uh, <laughs> being a completely irresponsible adult uh, on the show. He's great. He's he still is, got it. He's still got it. It's amazing that. He's more of a hot mess in this episode. I mean, I when he just kind of bails on him, I was I was expecting there was going to be some kind of like redemption. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, some point, yeah. something yeah. like no hot mess. Yeah. He just dumps. Just him. later, I'm out of here. I'm yeah. gone. I, yeah, there's nothing here for me <laughs> yeah. to uh, finagle. Uh, because the truth is, in the outrageous Dakota, he's a good guy. At the end, he was trying to help out those uh, young. And there's sort of, there's sort of an arc in the outrageous O'Connor also where he is like kind of being taught by Wesley especially right. like to put down roots. Right, and he's to, longing for that. Yeah, and to see that you know it's None like it's talk. like thirty years later and <laughs> he's still at it. He's in, if anything he's gotten worse. Like he's yeah. like it's kind of beaten him down over the years. Well, I mean oh. that's that's what makes this such a perfect fit because for thirty years, yeah. what a hot mess. The fact yeah. that he's still just doing that, incredible. Oh my god, so we get masqueraded back-to-back episodes. For different people. For different people. Incredible. I love Trek Ranks. Fantastic. Okay. Let's go to my round four pick. This is the first time I've ever chosen this fantastic episode. It's another Deep Space Nine episode. And Nog is heavily involved, but but not so much the hot mess. He's navigating it this time. Five words and a hashtag. Geiger counter is hot mess. Hashtag... Lions, Tiger. It's in the cards. East Space Nine, Season 5, Episode 25. And it's Dr. Elias Geiger. This guy is a complete hot mess. Complete hot mess. He's he's capable. He's getting it done. But his belief in the cellular regeneration and entertainment chamber being designed to transmit biogenic energy on chromoelectric wavelengths and sending uplifting and entertaining messages to the nuclei of every cell in the body so the cells will never forget and you will never die of cellular ennui. And just his whole, this his whole vibe, right? This him shutting those guys down, the auction. He's uh, it, getting along with... Uh, with Wei Yun at the end, by the way. Mm-hmm. Guy's a hot mess. I would never want to work with this guy. But maybe, the, who knows? Maybe there's some uh, legitimacy to uh, to his endgame. Adam. I hope they let him continue his research in the Dominion <laughs> Prisoner of War camp. <laughs> because, because when you think about it, is the cellular regeneration chamber weirder than the spore drive scientifically? <laughs> maybe it works. It's honestly the joyful version of the agonizer booth. So, uh, 
Right, because that agonizer just keeps you, keeps, keeps you the pain, pain but keep, but doesn't but make the, it affect, doesn't wear you down. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Let me ask you both a simple question. Do you want to die? No. Not really. Of course you don't, so why should you? Why should any of us end up as putrefying corpses in wooden boxes stuck in the ground? Or vaporized into subatomic particles and vented into the cosmos like a bad case of gas? No reason that I can think of. I will say Dr. Geiger, played by Brian Markinson, unbelievable character actor, and he previously played uh, Durst on Voyager, who lost his face in the phage. And also the guy who stole his face. And the guy who stole his face, right. He played both those characters. And uh, he was in Homeward. He was the historian guy that ended up killing himself in Homeward when he stumbled through the holodeck onto the Enterprise. Anyway, I love Dr. Geiger, and I swear I have no more Deep Space Nine picks after this. So, uh, let's go to round three, Soup Round! Soup Round. Adam, what do you got? Are you going to put that in my soup? Okay, this is not soup related. Okay. Um, I hesitated picking this one, because I think it's kind of reductive to call this person a hot mess. Okay. However, I did want to represent something like this, and uh, my five words are, those who shine the brightest, hashtag... Europa Bound, and it is Rene Picard, Picard's ancestor from the oh Europa mission. Wait a sec, I so, you're so mean. This is another downer pick. It's a, this. This is probably the. I'm gonna say this <laughs> oh is God. the most the most downer pick um, because you're not wrong. She's kind of a hot so, mess. So, but I wanted to include her, and like I could have just as easily picked uh, Picard's mother. Um, as a hot mess, but I wanted to include Renee because the previous picks that I've had are, they're like very big sci-fi things. Like no one can, none of us can relate to what Captain Pike is going through because it's like Shakespearean in its, in its scope. Um, Renee is dealing with anxiety and depression, which I feel like is a thing that a lot of us can deal with. And like the fact that it's, you know, she's a brilliant person. She knows, uh, you know, she taught herself sailing. She taught herself Cantonese. She taught herself chess and fluid right, dynamics. Right. She's a test pilot. She's this incredibly accomplished person. And yet this, like, mental illness that she has is holding her back and it's stopping her from realizing her potential. And, uh, you know, just seeing her represented in this in these episodes, seeing her... The episodes I picked, by the way, are... Fly Me to the Moon, and Two of One, which kind of her story goes between them. So seeing her represented in these episodes and in the Star Trek universe where we haven't really seen this sort of thing before was very moving to me. Like, I definitely identified with it myself. Right. And uh, so I do feel like it is kind of reductive to say, oh, she's just a hot mess, um, and I don't want to be flip about it, but I did want to mention her and mention how just moving the character was. Well, first of all, I'll just say thank God you didn't pick uh, Picard's mom. That's your hot. <laughs> that would have been rough. I, lo- I actually I love this pick because I really, I mean listen you're being supportive because listen she's a hot mess. There's no doubt about it. She's struggling with all these different things. The scene with her and Picard. Underneath the uh, OV-165. That is one of my favorite moments from the Picard series. And 
for sure from season two, but from the overall series. I just think that whole Picard pep talk. I actually wrote part of it down. Oh, yeah, let's hear, here. let's hear it. He says, sometimes those who shine the brightest feel the sting of fear and melancholy in ways that others can never understand. It's so good. It's really good. That whole scene, I, people who kind of checked out of Picard season two, we've been talking about it before we recorded. I love it. And I love that moment. It's powerful. Yeah. All right. Your list is a complete downer. Yeah. I, I realize love it. it. Let's do it. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. I oh, wouldn't. I wouldn't. Hot messes. Let's see what's this, this topic. Is, no, this, this episode's a hot mess because we have all these different tones going. I would so have said that in my prime directive, but it didn't even occur to me that it's also depressing. <laughs> yeah, they don't get better. Josh. Either. Great pick. And it's, and it's always nice to have um, Trek characters with issues and problems that we can actually relate to because, yep. you know, so often with the science fiction trappings and this and that, it becomes, it can be hard to relate to the characters, you know, and, and I think she is up there with like Barkley as a relatable Star Trek character. Good pick. I think that's right. I think that's good. I, uh, I love this pick. I love Renee Picard. I love that storyline. I love Picard season two. Okay, Josh, what is your Super Round pick? Super Round number three. Five words. Don't know who I am. Hashtag fight hug. My number three pick is Dr. Hugh Colber in If Memory Serves, Discovery Season 2, Episode 8. I love this. Yeah, me too. He's oh my god. such a mess through that whole season until he finds himself. But it's such a good... Oh my thing. god. In Trek, we so often get these characters that have died and come back, and it's just this common trope, and no one blinks an eye. Right. Harry Kim's been killed off like ten times, never even batted an eye, but here they just take it so seriously and so earnestly. It's like, yeah, that's totally, if you came back from the dead, you would not know who you are anymore, and you would have a lot of problems fitting back into your old life, or even just people who deal with um, recovery or things like that. It just... Um, his journey is is really thoughtful, and um, you know I just love it. And then to think about the character today and how he's become the most empathetic character on on, on the ship, the most in, in touch, and 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 and, to, and and is able to help uh, others given the experiences he uh, went through. Really, kind of gave a meaning to having a counselor and a therapist on board uh, the ship. This is a powerful thing. It's actually a good partnership with your pick. Yeah. I mean, Colbert is going through some shit, some shit in that one. There's no doubt about it. And you're sure. right. The, the best... scene in the quarters where they're having dinner, brutal, you know, and then he just he throws the stuff on the floor. It's upsetting. And, and Stamets is having to deal with yeah, it. Yeah, he doesn't know how to handle it. And yeah. Yeah. To me, this character is a character who has sort of like come out of. Well, to me, he kind of came out of nowhere to be, like, an MVP on Discovery. In the first season, like, I don't think they kind of knew. Like, I didn't know what the point of him was. I don't think they knew what the point Mm -hmm. of him was. In the first season, he was just kind of, like, there there to be Stamets' husband. And he he wasn't a regular at that point. He was recurring at that point. That's true. Yeah, Yeah, he was there to service another character. It became his own. And in season two, it was just kind of like, where are they going with this? And then where they did go with it, eventually, in season three and four, I, I just... Absolutely love this character in a way he's kind of eclipsed Stamets in uh, mm-hmm. his importance on the show, and um, and I, I also love in this scene that they kind of connect the the dots where like the one person who can actually understand what he went through is Ash, yeah, yeah. <laughs> who who did it to him. 
Yeah, and because he was going through it as well. Yeah, that is really good. Yeah, you make a great point about it. He has kind of superseded Stamets in a way, which is fat. You never would have predicted that because early on, Stamets was like my favorite mm-hmm. interesting mm-hmm. character in that. He's still, they, he's still, he's still great. good, but they've he's still great. But they they've they lost, lost sense that. of what to do with him. Well, they lost that edge of his kind yeah. of crankiness, which I, I really kind of I was into that. So. Okay, this is amazing. So my round three pick is going to fit right into the tone of these two picks. And this one again, this one challenges my prime directive of kind of celebrating the accomplishments of my hot mess. But from one angle, you, you can kind of uh, you can argue that, uh, hey, they still were pretty capable and accomplished, even though it was kind of a bad thing. So here we go. Five words and a hashtag. All the ghosts are dead. Hashtag. I've buried them. There's no more blood on your hands. It's Lenore Caridian from The Conscience of the King from TOS Season 1, Episode 12. And she is the most gorgeous hot mess ever. I love it. Completely unhinged. This performance from Barbara Anderson is stunning. She's, she's, I mean, throughout the whole episode, she's totally in control She's playing this kind of knowing cat and mouse game with Kirk. And I mean, I always, I always think about when I want to rewatch this. She leads Kirk to the body of his friend, Tom Layton, when they're out for their kind of romantic walk. Uh, so she's in control here. And she, so she gets her and her father on board the Enterprise. She, she knows there's only two more people alive that can identify the Kodos, the executioner. And by the way, she's already killed six or seven of them at mm-hmm. this point. So in every scene, you just get these little tiny hints that there's a very thin line between her control of the situation and her having a complete meltdown, which of course she has at the end of this completely heightened, over-the-top, dramatic, kind of of-its-time 1966 episode where she's just losing her shit on stage. Uh, Lenore, Can- Lenore, Lenore Caridian, complete hot mess when she breaks down. And of course, she tells her father what she's done, and then she accidentally kills her father trying to kill Kirk. And I just love it. The curtain rises. It rises. There's no time to sleep. I love Lenore. Adam, what's your take? Okay, <laughs> you know that I love a Shakespeare episode. Right. I love it when they do a Shakespeare title in an episode. Yep, I know this. And she is Ophelia in this episode. She is uh, she is amazing as she kind of goes mad in front of you, uh, you know, because of the the maneuvering of these like more powerful men in her life. For sure. And my whole point about her like the punching down part is not really. It's not really because even though she's kind of a hot mess, she quite successfully killed seven people. Yeah. Good job, yeah. little she's got, she's got job. the serial killer. <laughs> yeah. so, she's got the moves. Josh, any take on little Mark Grady? That was a great take. Great, 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 great take. <laughs> She's oh my god! Super this round, the soup round, has been the uh, <laughs> yeah uh, the trouble the troubled round. Okay, round two. Let's do it, Adam. Bring us down with another sad, sorrowful okay. hotness. Another sad one. Okay. Um, <laughs> my five words are: Whom do we seek? Kalesh. And hashtag oh, is torch. Hashtag is torchbearer. So it is 
Ash Tyler slash Voke. The problem is that this is not just one pick, it is two crammed into one body. Uh, he's on my secondary systems. I definitely was close to picking him. So the, the episode I'm picking specifically is uh, is Vaulting Ambition, oh, yeah. which is the one where uh, he has been revealed already at this point to be a Klingon agent. Yeah. And he's sort of like embodying the Klingon war in one body. Oh. Like it's Ash and Voke at war with each other, and he's like clawing his flesh. And uh, eventually... Uh, Eventually, Lorel has to intervene. Yeah, magic finger the magic device f- on the yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, um, you know, he uh, Saru at one point in this episode says to Lorel, "You have sealed this being's hellish fate," and it absolutely is the hellish fate to like take these two mortal enemies, lock them in one body, and just have them fight with each other like two cats and a burlap sack. <laughs> yeah. So this is the story arc that I always say in the age of the internet and binging and solving and everything being solved by clever people on the internet, this story was affected by that. But if you're just an average viewer who just turned into this series and just watched it through, this storyline's mind blowing. You have no idea they're connected and the reveal is so much more impactful for someone who doesn't have everything spoiled for them. I love Ash Tyler. I love Voke. I love this whole storyline. Complete hot mess. Yeah, yeah he's a great pick. For, uh, he's on my secondary systems, for sure. Um, yeah. Voke is, and, and Tyler is 100% definition hot mess. Totally. Every, even when he seems to have gotten it together in season two, he's just a hot mess with the hair, and he's out of control. <laughs> yeah. and why is he on this ship? And yeah, he's 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 a hot mess. Such an interesting character, so expertly played by um, uh, uh, Shazad Latif, and um, uh, just really um, you know, and just also just similar to like you know the thing with um, uh, Colbert. You know, it's like Trek has had so many times where a character has turned into another alien or this or that, and it's just nothing. It's just like oh. Yeah, one right. scene. But here they yeah. just go into it so much more detail about like what that entails, especially for the kind of deep undercover sleeper agent type thing, and the the, the body horror. I mean, really came through the way that they um, they did that, and, and his performance is is just was so great, and just to make you believe that this man was two people. Yeah, I'm having a such a good performance. Team. and just totally, totally. I feel like the body horror aspect of it was toned down because they were trying to keep it sort of PG-13, but yeah. but like apparently, according to what Laurel says, they just like took these two separate people who were both yeah. two real people and just like spliced yeah. them together yeah. like body and soul into yeah. one person. Just yeah. horrifying. I mean, I know they were toning it down for sure, but it's still it was effective. They yeah. did a good job. The, scene, with that. the flashback scenes very disturbing for sure. Yeah, there was some. Um, there was some triggering stuff in there for people. Not me. And I love that it ties into your Colbert pick. So good. Okay, Josh, what's your number two pick? Number two. Five words. Heavily armored with an exoskeleton. Hashtag venomous egg sack. <laughs> My number two pick, you guessed it, is Worf. Proto Klingon, oh my god, courting Deanna Troy in Genesis. Oh my god, 
I mean, you already he's, picked Mass, so you uh, might as well pick Genesis. <laughs> 100%. It's such a hot take. He is totally a hot mess. He is at his... He's in his pheromones. He's at his proto-Klingon sexiest. Oh, my God. Trying to find a mate. So good. Causing complete embarrassment to the wharf we know in the process. So good. I'm thinking now, his character was probably the best in Genesis in terms of the the pre-change stuff. Yeah. But like you said, it was like the hair and like when he's eating. Yeah. And yeah. He's, he's like, he's I into enjoy. it. And just having had the guidance system failure and like, God, get it. Right. <laughs> 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 it's just like, yeah, that you can relate to that. Oh my God. Understand oh. that. And then suddenly just the, the genesis, the degenesis from there, uh, just great. Um, yeah, that's a great through line and it's a hot mess. Adam, what's your- yeah, this is great. Um, this is an awesome pick. I mean, this is a great performance from Michael Dorn in in two series, three series now worth of great performances. Um, I, I like the fact that you can tell something is kind of going wrong, but you're like, also, is this really that off for like Worf having a bad day <laughs> for yeah. for a while? Like, it kind of <laughs> creeps up on you. So, yeah, I love this pick. That's a good one, and it's you know during yes this. The, strange period of TNG where they were really trying to force Worf and Deanna Troy together as yep. a couple. But she has some really fun one-liners in the in the lunch scene where he's just wolfing down all this crazy food and she's like And she's oh, just drinking water like water yeah. like crazy and you know she has a couple good comments about how she just leaves. I didn't say it now. Yeah. It's very good comic timing um, yeah. All that previous stuff was in the build up to it was really well done. You know I will maintain that the the Worf and Deanna Troy relationship is like very wrong because you just know like she and Reich it's a it's the wrong way to end the show but the two of them were great at it like they were fantastic in those scenes together it's okay Uh, to be wrong they have good yeah they have good chemistry (laughs) they do have good chemistry and even when you see them both at conventions they have a fun chemistry so clearly like that is clearly what the writers saw (laughs) I ship everybody and I loved uh, Worf and Deanna together so but you're right. It would have been a bit weird to end the it series. Was a weird it, it would have been sure. weird to end the series TNG that way. But and they did. I still wanted it. No, they didn't. Kind of. Maybe. Okay. We did have that fun callback in the car, which was was great. <laughs> that was good. Uh, yeah, yes. he still was he good. still has holds a flame for her. Beautiful. Uh, and, yes. And he yeah. That was good. I love because it was like courtly love. It wasn't like totally. he was He's actually. Yeah. yeah, he was like, I've thought of you every day and written missives to you. So good. It's like, oh my god. <laughs> it was like Lancelot and Guinevere. Yeah. Like, that's... Yeah. Totally. Okay, uh, let's close out round two. I love my number two pick. This is a three for one. Five words and a hashtag. Three lost sheep mess up, hashtag. Dark matter mess. It is Voyager Season 6, Episode 20, Good Shepherd, and we're picking Crewman Tau Celeste. Mortimer Heron and William Telfer, all three a hot mess. I'm going to walk you through it. By the way, this episode is awesome. It is so underrated. It's uh, it's really high on Trek ranks. Number 29 on Trek ranks. I love the hot mess of these three. So we got so they're all they're all really capable, even though they doubt themselves. Mortimer Heron, William Telfer, Tal Celeste, none of them. They get off the ship whenever we have general leave. I mean a working away mission. Heron never volunteers. Celeste can't get past the proficiency requirements. And Telfer always seems to get a note from his doctor. 
Something's got to be done about that. Tal censor analyst, grade three. Her work must be constantly double-checked. She should be removed from astrometrics and, astrometrics and reassigned elsewhere, perhaps to engineering. This is Seven's analysis of her. And, of course, Bolana's like, thanks. Mortimer, Harimer, Mortimer Heron is... They've tried to give him responsibility commensurate with his ability, but he refuses to do the work to great annoyance of uh, Bellana Torres. And he just spends all his time on deck 15, just staring, hanging out by himself, studying his uh, different uh, cosmological theories and trying to uh, solve uh, different theories. And then William Billy Telfer is a hypochondriac who is always avoiding uh, away team missions and assignments because he's a, because he's uh, always got a doctor's note from the doctor who uh, who can't stand him either because he's a hypochondriac, and I just love that. I love this whole this whole episode. It's just really strong, and I think there's uh, some really good payoff here with Janeway kind of embracing that these three misfits and hot messes are unable to kind of fit in, and she wants and she wants to try to help them do that. And I think that's a great episode. Adam, what's your take on? These three hot messes. Yeah, I, I want to say that, for one thing, I would also try to get out of away teams with doctor's <laughs> notes. Because have you seen what happens to people who go on away teams? <laughs> Come on! They're constantly would... getting, like, transporter spliced with somebody else, or they get some strange alien disease, or, like, they step on an exploding rock. <laughs> okay, Mariner. Jeez. Relax. Um, but I love, I love, uh, I love Janeway in this episode. I love yeah. the fact that she kind of sees that as a leader, she's she has failed them. Um, and I enjoy, uh, I enjoy the idea that there are people in Starfleet who maybe just it didn't work out for them, or there are people yeah. who who didn't join Starfleet to serve on starships, right. and yeah. these That's guys are stuck doing it. And that's what yeah. Mortimer literally says. That he's like, "Hey, I was here for like a one year assignment, then to get reassigned into this. That's where I want to be right now." So, and this, by the way, was in my top five Janeway yeah. episodes because it's perfect for her. I mean, I always enjoy when um, the shows will take a look at the characters who aren't the best of the best, the greatest of the great, the fleet, right. and, and see people who are more normal, quote unquote, or even the underachievers are the ones that we in the audience could actually relate to. Um, yes. I also wish that we revisited those characters once or twice. Castle West shows up a couple of times. She was in she? like two or three episodes and okay. the others were not, but she, she yeah. was in like at least But like four. we had the similar episode in season one, uh, Learning Curve. Those were it's great characters curve. that we never saw again. So Ch- then... Chell again shows up Ch- a couple times. Chell shows up again. Yeah. This, uh, I mean, this is a, this is your Voyager Lower Decks episode yeah. as much as... Yeah, uh, totally. As, as much as learning curve. This is a bit off topic, but somebody, maybe one of you, pointed this out to me on Twitter, uh, and it just kind of blew my mind. But, like, in Ensign Roe, uh, Roe talks about how, like, there are Bajorans who have assimilated to the Federation. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Tal Celeste, who, like, Celeste is her last name, and it's last, and she has no earring, but she's a Bajoran. Oh, that's And a, yeah. she's just, like, that they fits. just kind of, like, came back to it finally and showed it, it to us. It definitely Ooh. fits. Oh, that's a good point. That wasn't me. That's awesome. Okay, let's do it. Round one. Begin round one. Adam, what's your number one hot mess? Okay, um, my five words are never-ending bonfire of rage. Hashtag 
Put it in the clay, Papa Bear. Nice. <laughs> yeah. It is uh, Lieutenant Shax oh from Lower God. Decks. What a great pick. And the episode oh. that I picked, I didn't want to pick this episode because it always gets picked, but the episode I picked is Wedge Dude. Because of that scene. Because there's a scene where he just completely goes ape on Boimler. Yeah. Uh, when I'm fighting this is a full-time job! <laughs> Put it in the clay, Papa Bear! Um, but really, there's just throughout the show, there's just all of these uh, these pictures of these, these moments that you get with Shax, where like he clearly is exceedingly disturbed by what happened to him in the in the occupation when he when he fought in the uh, when he fought in the resistance and he saved Kira Norris's life one time less than she saved his life. Um, but yeah, there's a moment in, in Wedge Do's where he's just like, I'm going to fight. I'm going to resist. I'm going to make a cute little ashtray for incense. <laughs> oh, it's going to be a puppy. <laughs> uh, so perfect. I, oh, so good. Best number just, one pick you could have. I mean, he's a hot mess. He is. Absolutely and, and it's not just Shacks. this episode. He's a hot mess all the time with his anger yeah. and his rage. He just wants to blow something up. Such a great episode. And yeah, that's a great moment for him. Just memeable. And yeah, he just, yeah, he's a great character. And even the... Uh, I, I also want to point out that um, uh, if you are a comic book reader, if you look at the Star Trek comic uh, that IDW is putting out, Shax is part of the crew. Um, it's a really fun series. With It's sort of Cisco bringing a the crew, various crews together. Hmm. Um, I don't want to spoil too much, but um, but yeah, Shax comes in, and it's kind of fun to see them play Shax in a more sort of serious setting, and he's he's not quite as goofy uh, in there, but it's kind of fun to just see the character in a, um, a different light. <laughs> I want to read that. And I was just going to add one more thing that in the episode. Uh, Room for Growth, I think, is the one where I think that's the one where he he's in he's in the. The holodeck with the the top with the yeah it was like with, the crates are why are they shaped this way if you want them stick well, and he well, he well it's the one where they're they're doing the Bonnie and Clyde yeah oh, and he's yeah. having he's having relationship issues he's yep. a hot mess the guy's a hot mess okay I love it well they're yeah. both yeah I mean, well they're both hot turning off the uh, <laughs> turning off the safeties in the middle of a hail of bullets is yeah. sort of kind of <laughs> hot mess thing to do. So good. All right, Josh, what's your number one? Number one, hot mess. Five words. Tossing out that plomeek soup. Oh, my God. Hashtag Star Trek fight music. Dun, 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 dun. It's Spock, it's Spock in a mock time. Oh, he so is good. the great hot mess of TOS. He's in his. He's going through his blood fever. He... Can't even accept a simple bowl of deliciously homemade plomic soup. Um, his love for Kirk coming out at the end. I've killed my captain and my friend. He's inconsolable. The joy when he when Kirk turns out to be alive. Uh, he he is a, such a quintessential hot mess. I mean, he's a hot mess Leonard in this episode. I mean, generally, <laughs> Spock's a bit of a hot mess in Strange New Worlds, too, now that we're talking about it. Um, well, we just deep dive on this in our Vulcan episodes. We talked a muck time in massive detail and throwing out that Pomique soup. I love it. A complete hot map for Christine Chapel. Just want to give some soup. When I suggested to Spock that it was time for his routine checkup, your logical, unemotional first officer turned to me and said, 
You will cease to pry into my personal matters, Doctor, or I shall certainly break your neck. Spock said that? What is this? Prying, ah! if I want anything from you, I'll ask for it. Captain, I should like to request a leave of absence on my home planet. On our present course, you can divert to Vulcan with a loss of but 2.8 light days. Spock, what the devil is this all about? I have made my request, Captain. All I require from you is that you answer it, yes or no. Uh, yeah, I mean, absolutely. Uh, Spock is, uh, yeah, Spock is crazy in this episode, as he himself would admit. And uh, and you're absolutely right. He is uh, trying to be at his hottest, and he is just a mess. Yep. Hot mess. This whole thing. Okay, let's close it out with my... Best hot mess, and I love this pick. First time, first time I'm choosing this episode. Five words and a hashtag. You'll drown in Cottescott mess. Hashtag. Too many voices, and it is Voyager season five, episode seven, Infinite Regress, and seven of nine. A fantastic episode. It's not one that I revisit a lot because the final act of this is kind of hard to watch with seven and the chaos she's dealing with. It's, for me, it's just uh, it's a little disorienting, and and listen, it's probably because Jerry Ryan is so great in this episode, mm-hmm. just one of her powerhouse performances. Where in that final act, she's being she's uh, Tuvok's doing the mind meld, and it's just all really chaotic. It's a complete hot mess. There's like a fisheye lens, and there's like a POV, and like all these crowds and the. The direction from David Livingston is really, really good. And I just got, so, Seven of Nine, she's a, she's Klingon, she's a Vulcan, a Ferengi, a little girl, a Starfleet captain, a mother in distress at Wolf 359. Off screen, she's a Bolian manicurist and a Kremen scientist, uh, referenced by Janeway. And you have the Borg viniculum, and you have this amazing scene where she's playing Scott with Naomi for the first time. And then at the end of the episode, she says, she finds Naomi and says, hey, teach me how to play Coscott. It's amazing. And then Coscott shows up in uh, in Picard Season 3 with uh, Seven's ultimate journey. Complete hot mess in this episode being uh, inundated by her Neuralink and all her board connections. Adam, what's your take? You're totally right that this is just tour de force performance. Don't worry. It isn't life-threatening, but we'll need to treat you in sickbay. What is this treatment going to cost me? It's free of charge. Free? Yes. You know, I have been having a nagging pain in my lower left lobe. And while you're at it, why don't you want a complete tricardial diagnostic? The Ferengi Health Commission is trying to revoke my trading license. Impressive vessel, Captain. Galaxy class? Intrepid. Ah, ah, and here we are in the much-talked-about sick bay. Not exactly state of the medical art now, is it? What do you mean? Huh. Low on bio beds, terrible lighting, obsolete instruments. Lucky for you, I know a medical supplier that can spruce this place up in a nanosecond. And I'll even drop my commission to a mere 30%. How generous of you. Hmm. Computer, activate force field. Force field? You said I wasn't contagious. It's for your own safety. I don't think that before I saw this episode, I was really aware that Jerry Ryan had the acting chops to do this. I was blown away when I saw this one. It is still one of my favorites on Voyager. It, uh, it is a quintessential all-time great track performance. I honestly, no I'm going to 
go rewatch it. Like, it's so good. It, I don't rewatch it a lot because I do legitimately find it kind of like a overwhelming on my senses. So it's not, you know, I always say on track ranks, my favorites are ranked by the ones I just want to rewatch the most. Mm-hmm. And this one, I, it's great. It's an awesome episode. It's fantastic, but I don't rewatch it a lot. Yeah, it's a great, great episode. Always fun to see the actors um, doing roles, doing roles that are new to them, and kind of stretching, stretching the muscles out a bit. Yeah, she is just great. She really just every other character is so clear. It's really just a uh, masterclass type of performance. Um, my other one that would sort of fall into this category is the one where she is the doctor. Yes, of course. That close. That one was, yeah. that one was a more focused. Yeah, because yeah, she was just dead one on. character. That's, yeah. that's very difficult to, to do, and, and, and she uh, she really uh, handled uh, so much so well. Um, but when she does the Klingon Ferengi and like Vulcan, like yeah. back to back, it's yeah. really yeah, yeah, good. Yeah. Uh, and this is, and I remember quotes from her where she was like, "I had no, I have no idea anything about Star Trek." So she was learning yeah. all this. So to come in totally. Yeah. blind and they're just like here's oh, a tape Klingon's kind of like this and watch the like, tape okay I got it yeah. you know <laughs> okay let's get into some secondary systems and see how much more messier we can get with our best hot mess Adam let's see what you can do with the secondary system okay so um, I mentioned a character who I was thinking of doing for a for a long time was on the list and then I was like she's more of a piece of work she's okay, not a hot yes. mess who's the piece of work and that was Peanut Hamper the exocomp <laughs> She's a piece of work. She is definitely a hot mess, though. For for my other secondary systems, um, from lower decks, like Cali class, uh, Cali class senior officers are just <laughs> hot messes. Like Freeman, Ransom, Taana, and Billups all have got like some serious things going on, and it's like Starfleet is like these people are very competent officers who deserve to be uh, like upper level. And a starship, but we don't want to set them up for failure by putting them on a salary class. Like they, these people all also have their own personal issues going on that they need to work on. So let's just put them in a nice, like calm California class. I love it. And you picked one. You picked Shaq. Yeah, I picked Shaq. Uh, but I, I definitely considered every single one of them. Beautiful. Um, so, uh, I also had, um, so Yvette Picard was on my okay, list. Yeah. Rafi was on my list from Picard. That's fair. Uh, mm-hmm. That's a- fair. Agnes and Jack Crusher were also uh, people I considered. Yeah. Uh, I considered Ruan Tarka, but I decided he was a piece of work. Okay, yeah, uh, that's fair. I considered... Um, I love Tarka. I considered uh, La'an Nguyen Singh. Okay. Um, Interesting. And I considered Michael Burnham. Oh, Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I have a lot of crossover um, with you. I, I did think about Michael um, specifically in the moment where she's all drugged out in season three in the uh, premiere oh, episode, oh, trying to. Yeah. Hey, but that less hot mess. It's again. It's not her. She's under duress. She's been given drugs, uh, so that that didn't didn't quite work in that. But yeah, um, of course, another quintessential hot mess that I just couldn't include for other reasons. Troy and Man of the People. Uh, specifically when she's all and Bancroft out and Riker's like, what is going on with you? Like that is such a, it's oh, totally a hot mess kind yeah. of moment. Really glad just in a club, it would be contemporary. Boimler in will always have Tom Paris. Yeah. Um, also Boimler in the episode where they're at the uh, recruitment booth and he starts yelling at everybody. <laughs> That's my bit back. <laughs> 
That's right. Loses it. If you uh, stupid outpost scientists. Uh, yeah. uh, Kirk and Plato's stepchildren. Oh, stupid go, pony. We'll always have Tom Paris as a great boy for hot mess pick. Sorry, what was the last one you just said? Kirk when he's the prince pony in the <laughs> oh my in, god in Plato's stepchildren. <laughs> uh, but again, it's under duress. Yes. Um, but it's totally like you just look at it and you're just like. Such a hot mess. Hot mess. Hot mess. Okay, I had a few more. I I couldn't pick Nog. I picked Nog twice, so I couldn't pick him a third time. But Jake and Nog living together for the first time was a complete hot mess. That was more Jake's fault. It's the, the, true. the messiness. Although Nog was wanting to work out every day at four o'clock too. So come on, Archer, you're fine. Uh, okay, a few more. McCoy being a hot mess because. They basically changed his personality in every TOS episode yeah. based on what the script needed. I had I had Kaczynski from where no one has gone before because he was a hot mess trying to uh, act like a big big shot. And Kess was just kind of a hot mess in a, lot, sure. in a lot of places, but I didn't want to didn't want to punch down on that. And for episodes, I would have said Star Trek Nemesis needed a needed a new new director. Uh, in the darkness, I love, but you know the ending is a hot mess. I had two hot messes that are kind of by design: civil defense and dreadnought. Those kind of Rube Goldberg episodes, and then my special shout out. Well, first I'm going to give a shout out to Jarrah Hodge, last week's guest, who said Paris, Tom Paris, and Alice is one of the best hot mess picks mm. I could ever think of because that was she that was the one that she had off the top of her head. I was like, my god, that like opened up my eyes to what a hot mess could be. It was perfect. And then the Nexus in Generations is <laughs> just a hot mess as a plot device. One of the one of the most hilarious hot messes ever. Okay, great topic. I knew it would be kind of a weird one. I uh, love the different tones, some good deep cuts. All right, let's get into our regeneration cycle and run through some stats and a recap of our picks. Computer, activate regeneration cycle. Alcoves beta and gamma. Adam, break down your five again. So I'm not sure you noticed, but uh, I, I was trying to go out of my comfort area, which is like TOS, TNG, and, oh, and DS9. Oh, you did all new. And I did all new, and I was, it's also sort of a, all my secondary systems were new as well. Fantastic. Um, but it's also sort of an homage to when people would go up, would come on on the very early episodes and they would do like TOS, TNG, DS9, Voyager, and Enterprise. <laughs> exactly. in the, right. Yeah, so, I like that. So Fantastic. my... My list was, uh, number five was uh, Captain Pike from uh, episode one of Strange New Worlds, Strange New Worlds. Uh, number four was Dal Rel from Masquerades mm-hmm. and Prodigy. Number three was Rene Picard from uh, Fly Me to the Moon and Two of One, which is kind of a two-parter yep. uh, with the party kind of linking them together. Yep. Uh, on Picard, number two was Ash Tyler from Vaulting Ambition on Discovery. And Slash Moke. Slash folk. <laughs> Ash Tyler slash folk. Give, him some, give that man some credit. And number one was uh, Shax from Wedgduge oh on, on uh, Lower Decks. And I want to say that uh, Wedgduge is late to the party, but I think it can pass Star Trek 09 as the most picked thing. I think we just have to keep picking it. And uh, it'll be the most picked by the end of the show. It, it's, uh, May there never be It's on its way because <laughs> it is spectacular. Uh, dude, you're the first person to do this. I I love Yes! That. Okay. So you're the first person to say kind of the same thing. Where a lot of people come in and say, I'm going to do five different episodes. A lot of that was the kind of legacy series. But there's been some mix of legacy and new. 
no one's come in and done all five, and they, they're all five new ones. So you had one from Strange New Worlds, Prodigy, Picard, Discovery, and Lower Decks, and I love it. I had man. to do it before Starfleet Academy comes out. Fantastic. Then I That's so good. I love it. Yeah, you missed short tracks. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Josh, what is – recap your five. Okay. Poe. Po, secondary systems. Poe. Yeah, that, that was mine. That was mine. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. Poe's a hot mess. I would have picked her if I thought right? of that. Number five was uh, Data in Masks. <laughs> number should, four. Should have been your number one. Spock. <laughs> uh, and number four was o- The Return of Okana in Masquerade, episode 15 of Prodigy. Incredible. Number three, Dr. Kolber in If Memory Serves. Number two, Proto Klingon Worf in Genesis. And number one, Mr. Spock in a mock time. Beautiful. Best hot mess. So you had one from TOS, two from TNG, and then one each from Prodigy and Discovery. And I think we're at this place now. Maybe I should start breaking it down too. Like you had three legacy series and two new series. Fantastic. Okay, my list number five was Nog in Treachery Faith in the Great River. And his hot mess, uh, trying to help out Chief O'Brien. Dr. Elias Geiger from Deep Space Nine in the cars with my number four pick. Number three from TOS, Lenore Caridian, the conscience of the king, the quintessential hot mess. Number two from Voyager, Tau Celeste, William Telfer, and Mortimer Heron from uh, Good Shepherd. All hot messes, and my number one was seven or nine from Infinite Regress, and I had I did not spread it around. I had one from TOS and two from Deep Space Nine and two from Voyager. Okay, so let's break down these stats. This is uh, we got some good ones here. First, I, I did break so we all did basically characters, and the counts a little off because I counted all three of mine from Good Shepherd. So. We had a one android, and it was pretty even between uh, humans and aliens. We had nine humans and seven aliens. And then uh, men and women, we had uh, mostly men. This is good, 13 to 4. So 13 men and 4 women. And then this is the cool break. This is unbelievable. So, every iteration of Trek except Enterprise, animated series, and short treks was picked. And they were all picked with either one or two episodes. So, this is crazy. So, Lower Decks had one, and Picard and Strange New World, they all had one. And then all six of these had two picks each TOS, TNG, D Space Nine, Voyager, Discovery, and Prodigy. And that is how you spread it around. Absolutely incredible. Okay, I love it. And now we are going to initiate a temporal inversion because it's time to hear from you. Initiate temporal inversion. Initiating. And for this week's temporal inversion, we're going back to episode 149 of our super fun topic, the top five non-corporeal aliens. We got in an awesome voicemail from Jim McMahon, who is at TrekFan underscore 165. This one's super quick. It's like 90 seconds. He has... Five great picks, and honestly, I'm, I can't believe 
when I was going through this, I picked this for our best hot mess episode because at least three of his picks are 100% hot messes that we have not mentioned yet. So here is his voicemail. Hey, Trek Ranks, this is Jim McMahon calling with my top five non-corporeal aliens. At number five, I have the Gorgon from And the Children Shall Lead. My, my, top, my, my five words are friendly alien, not so friendly. Hashtag Melvin Belly, not a good casting choice. I apologize if anyone did think it was a good casting choice. Number four, Kevin Oxbridge from the, from the Survivors. My five words, the Hoosnock are no more. Hashtag, he used his music box to overwhelm Troy's senses. Number three, the Traveler, specifically the Traveler, Wesley Crusher, and briefly Corey Stone. My five words are the bosses of Gary Seven and the hashtag is sent the Enterprise to the edge of the universe. Number two, Jordy and Roe in, in the episode The Next Phase. My five words, declared dead, but were cloaked. The hashtag, what, what was Riker going to say about Instant Roe? And my number one, Hoshi and Vanishing Point. My five words, the transporter makes Hoshi invisible. And the hashtag, who is Cyrus Ramsey? Thanks, Trek Ranks. Bye. Okay, awesome voicemail from Jim McMahon. So his non-corporal aliens, he had Gorgon, hot mess, Kevin Uxbridge, total hot mess, and the Travelers. They're kind of, they're kind of a hot mess, a little bit. And then he had Jordy and Roe from the next phase, and of course Hoshi from Banishing Point is his number one. So fantastic non-corporeal list. So once again, those picks more than enough to clear ourselves from this week's tempo inversion. So as always, I want to thank everyone for all your great responses to the Trek Ranks podcast. Please keep your list coming to me at Trek Ranks on Twitter so we can retweet them. But we also want to hear from you. So put together your own list of top five best hot messes or a list from any of our past shows. Give us a call at the Tricorder Transmissions at 609-512-5527. Or you can just record it on your computer. Send me a DM. We can connect that way. So hopefully we'll hear from you so you can be featured on the next episode of Trek Ranks. And on the next episode of Trek Ranks, it's time for a return to another popular Star Trek series. This one is definitely one of my favorites. We are doing some more abstract Trek Ranks. We've done numbers and letters and concepts, and now we're doing another letter. So next week, it is Abstract T. So you can definitely get creative with that one. So anything you want to do, Abstract T, that's our next topic. Adam and Josh, if you had to choose an Abstract T that would make your list, what would it be, Adam? Earl Grey, hot. Earl Grey tea. I mean, that's a, that one's just sitting right there for you. Temporal Cold War. Temporal Cold War. Excellent. The other one that's sitting right there. There's two sitting right there that I'm going to tell my guests. Don't pick Earl Grey tea and don't pick James T. Kirk. <laughs> Everything else is in play. Temporal Cold War is fantastic. Looking forward to that one. Channel closed. Reset. Subspace communication. Scrambler code Riker 1. Scrambler code Riker 1 acknowledged. Okay, let's close this episode out with a huge thanks to Adam Uno and Josh Zeller. Fantastic show. Really appreciate you guys coming on. Any final Trek Scrambler codes? Either one of you guys want to relay before we depart? Adam. Well, you mentioned the Conscience of the King earlier, so I'm just going to end it by saying Hamlet. Hell yeah. (laughs) Fantastic, Josh Zeller. Thanks for coming by. Keep on trekking. (laughs) 
I love it. All right. Thanks, everyone, for engaging with us here again on episode 160 of the Trek Ranks podcast. As always, I want to close by saying I'm looking forward to standing with you again here in this place where I belong. Okie dokie. Take your never-ending bonfire of rage and bury it in the clay. Get out of here, rage. That's a neat pod, Lieutenant Shax. Did you learn how to do that back on Bajor? What did you just say? I just asked if you learned how to throw pots on Bajor. No, 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 no. Oh, do we not talk about Bajor? You think I have time for anything other than resisting? Fighting fascism is a full-time job! just want to remind everyone again that the entire Trek Ranks catalog is available for you to download and listen to at trekranks.com and on your podcast player of choice. Our episodes never get carbon data, so check out the topics you've missed and maybe just want to listen to again over at trekranks.com. And a reminder to check out our friends Five Year Mission at fiveyearmission.net. They're writing a song for every episode of Star Trek and you won't believe how great their music is. They also have a podcast at the Trek Geeks Network, so seek them out. You won't regret it. Put it in the clay. I'm going to fight. I'm going to get revenge. I'm going to make a cute little ashtray for my incense. It's going to look like a puppy. Ooh, a puppy.